Hi, this is Denise, and I'm a life coach, and you are listening to Cut to the Chase podcast. Stepping out beyond boundaries takes courage and the ability to dream. We are excited to share our new audio podcast called Cut to the Chase. The structure of this podcast embodies open dialogue with friends, family, and professional colleagues talking about things that impact our ability to thrive. We hope that you will join our unscripted, unbridled podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Cut to the Chase, episode 130, entitled Never Practice Life. Now, for those of us, you know, this particular topic could resonate very near and dear to your heart, or it could resonate near and dear to something that you have left in your past. And so I have a couple quotes that basically go like this. Practice like you never won. Perform like you never lost. This is very important practice. Live your life in the way you never lose yourself. And when you get carried away with your worries, fears, craving, anger, and desire, you run away from yourself and you lose yourself. The practice always is to get you back to one's self. Now, our featured guest today is a life coach born in Jamaica who migrated to the U.S. when she was a teenager. After experiencing a traumatic childhood event and the traps of unresolved trauma, she pursued her master's degree in consulting to regain a better insight of herself. Along her journey, she discovered patterns, cycles, and limitations that sometimes bind us or leave us towards our negative internal narratives which prevent us from living our best life. As a life coach, she helps clients navigate their ways by living life through these challenges, through their mindsets, and limited belief systems to authenticate themselves to a better livelihood. She loves what she does and says that we're all a work in progress and should allow ourselves to heal to grow and be open. Now, most of us are probably going, wait a minute, to heal, to grow and be open? Yeah, to heal, to grow and be open because life, we should never practice it. And so sometimes if we don't go through the simple aspects of leaving that baggage out with the waste management group so they can pick it up and carry it to the dumpster. Sometimes when we have these traumas that happen when we're a child that we don't resolve, sometimes when we still have these negative thoughts by saying that we can't, we won't, we shall not, these are all things that our featured guest really focuses focuses in on in her life coaching services and life coaching practices. And without further ado, I would like to introduce Miss Denise Nix Dixon. 
How are you doing today? And do you have any opening remarks? Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for having me as a guest on your show. I think the work you're doing is remarkable and my the way you introduce me, I, I, I don't think I can top that. <laughs> so just just thank you again for having me as a guest on your show. Absolutely, absolutely. It's uh it's a sure uh delight and joy to uh, to not only meet uh, another Texonian uh, and be able to be in the in the presence of interviewing somebody from the state that I'm living in currently, but also to be speaking with someone uh, such as yourself that is an empowered minority, successful black woman that you know. If anybody has anything to say about that, you know, in today's society, we need more of us to step up and stop practicing life and really check back in the life. And I am so glad that you're here with us today to really take on a topic like this and really leave some gems out there for our listeners. So are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. All right. Okay. So let's cut to the chase. So Denise, tell us, you know, you are a immigrant from Jamaica and you moved to the U.S. when you were a teenager. So at what age in your life did you migrate to the U.S.? I moved to Miami when I was 14. My mom uh, was living here, and so my sisters and I migrated here in Miami, and it was definitely a cultural shock, Um, but it's something that we all had to kind of adjust to rather quickly, and Mm -hmm. I've lived in the States since then. Okay, okay, okay. So... You know, earlier on in the bio uh, reading, you know, I read that you experienced some some trauma in your childhood. There was uh, some events that left unresolved trauma and it, and it would appear or one would assume that that trauma carried on through your early adulthood life. Could you explain to our listeners Um, what were the events or the significance of those events that were unresolved? Yeah, sure. I think that, you know, statistically speaking, it would be safe to say that one in every three women experience some type of uh, trauma in their childhood, be it abuse, neglect, abandonment, sexual abuse, and sometimes all of the following. And I Mm -hmm. think when you are from particularly a Caribbean background, there is and was during my childhood, this messaging of basically push through it. Because Mm -hmm. if you're still alive, you're still alive and you have to keep it moving, so to speak. So in the American culture, I think early childhood trauma has more platforms where children can get counseling and children are um, provided, you know, social services or an array of help not being a third world country that allows them to start to work through some of that trauma um, at an early age. 
With the Caribbean, it's a little different. So a lot of women who suffer from childhood trauma from uh, Caribbean islands, a lot of time just continued to push through and the trauma resides in the body. And a lot of time that is not recognized until it starts to um change into symptoms of behavior or, or, or lifestyle, um, issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as we, as we dive into this a little bit further, you know, as we start to talk about trauma and, and you, you classify, you know, things that would be slightly different in the Caribbeans, uh, versus how they would be perceived in the U S and I'm going to, I'm going to I'm going to kind of uh you know mix this up a little bit. And what I'm going to say is that trauma in any capacity you know can really derail one's life to the potential to where it disrupts your alignment and your forward thinking and your notion of who you are as an individual particularly if you're dealing with that trauma at an early stage of adulthood and it hasn't been rectified much sooner. And so one of the things that I want to segue into here just for a moment, because sometimes when we start talking about trauma, I don't think that people really understand the significance of what trauma is. You know, we've got trauma going on right now in our society that people have not dealt with and they see it you know, each and every day, sometimes just by being the person that you are, if you are, if you are in a minority, you're dealing with that trauma, whether it was handed down through generations to generations, or whether it's in your face based on society, as we know it today, that trauma still exists. And so when we are trying to resolve these type of things as relates to trauma, one of the things that uh, I want us to focus in on here just for a brief moment is the processing of our self-discovery, really understanding who we are and being beginning to realize that we have the courage, the resiliency, and the notion to be able to move forward because we are talking about never practice life, right? And if you're in a trauma state, you're kind of living an outer mind, out of body experience. And so you're really not living your full self. So what are your thoughts about that? I think those are really good points that you brought up. And one of the unfortunate things that happens sometimes when people have unresolved trauma is that they themselves are not aware of the impacts the unresolved trauma is causing, not only in their bodies, but in their minds, in their spirits, in their energy, in their disposition. It literally just sits there. There's this incredible book. It's called uh, The Body Keeps Scores. And it talks a lot about the neurological and biological symptoms that takes place within the body before it even externalizes, you know, in a behavioral way. So mm-hmm. I think really being kind and gentle and nurturing with yourself and understanding, accepting and recognizing that you have experienced something traumatic, that it is unresolved. And because it is unresolved, it is in your body and in your spirit and in your energy in some way, shape or form. And being 
ready to be vulnerable to not only examine that and sometimes having to rehash that, but to really be prepared to make the sacrifice to do that in order to live your best life. Because if you're not resolving that unresolved trauma, it's, it's, it's unlikely that you are going to be living your best life, that you are going to be using the best coping strategies, that you are going to be um, using mechanisms that are healthy and that are not based on flight and flight uh, responses, that you are not going to be just in survival mode every day, but you are able to really understand and examine your responses, examine your reactions, and really give yourself an opportunity to have a life outside of trauma. Because when it's lived in your body for a long time, you start to believe that that is you. That's how you respond. That's how you react. That's how, that's just your personality. When in fact, sometimes your personality is symptomatic of your trauma. And if you're not really looking at that, if you keep bypassing that, then it only serves to cause greater problems in your life sometimes than even the trauma itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there was something that my team brought to me um, that was on your webpage. And I actually thought it was quite brilliant how you described yourself. And it basically goes like this. It says, I have succeeded brilliantly, failed drastically, crawled in and out of shame, bypassed and suppressed acknowledge and ignored pieces and spaces within myself during this process of self-discovery. You know, as, as I read that, that tells me that you experience some just heart-wrenching things that really, like as I mentioned earlier, pulled you kind of out of mind, out of body experience, but yet you were able to, to overcome that. And so as we segue a little bit into how you as an individual dealt with this trauma and overcame all of these, as you call them, fail drastically. You crawled in and out of shame. Help us understand what was going on when you wrote that piece. I really wrote that piece from my space of truth because mm-hmm. As a life coach, I think a lot of times people tend to market life coaching or, you know, therapy as a person who's actually done all the work. They're no longer a work in progress. They're, you know, the frame of reference as to success as opposed to failure. Mm -hmm. And I have learned a great deal from my mistakes. I've learned a great deal from my failures. I've learned so much about patterns and cycles that were unbeknownst to me as a result of my traumatic childhood. And there were times when I had to 
grieve for the child that had to endure all of that, for the child that did not have someone to help them navigate. And what mm-hmm. happens when you have trauma unresolved, no one to navigate it with, um, and you go into adulthood, you seemly, seemingly go into a situation where you're supposed to have this self-awareness, but you don't have a self-awareness because a lot of times you don't have a complete self. You have fractured pieces of yourself that you try to operate in a holistic way, which is often which is often impossible because you can't be holistic when you are fractured. And there are psychological ramifications that comes with unresolved trauma. There are emotional ramifications, how that plays into you being a woman, how that plays into you being a partner, how that plays into you dating, how that plays into your professional life, how that plays in a desire to be overly independent, which in itself can be a sign of trauma because we're not really designed that way. And over independence sometimes is really you not trying to put yourself in a situation where you have to trust and depend on someone because someone that you trusted and depended on might have hurt you in a way or violated your trust or violated your mind or violated your body. And so the brain, the brilliant, you know, adaptive mechanism that it is, it's always Mm -hmm. going to create systems to make you feel safe. And some of the ways in which your brain um, creates that you know, are not necessarily healthy functioning ways. If you, for example, avoid conflict or you try to bypass things that you feel, it creates and opens the doors for other problems in relationships, for other problems in dating, for other problems in friendship. And so the unresolved problem creates more unresolved problem. And while all of this is happening, you're living life. You're mm-hmm. being a mother, you're being a girlfriend, you're being a professional person. And this shows up in every element of those relationships. This this shows up in the type of worker that you are. This shows up in the type of wife that you are. This shows up in your ability or inability to connect. This shows up in people thinking you're just cold or you're just hard or so hard to get close to you without necessarily understanding what the backdrop of that is. And so I really like to have conversations with people who are in the midst of those things and sometimes not realizing it. You Mm. could have everything that you think you were denied or everything that you think you don't have to depend on another person for. And so now you have all these things, but are you happy? And are you in a space in your body where you feel safe or do you have to live in hypervigilance all the time? Are you always having to watch your back? Because the mere act of having to always watch your back and always having to watch other people is itself not just awareness as we may tell ourselves. And sometimes it very well could be. But a lot of times the hypervigilance is a sense of the is a symptom of the unresolved trauma. And so I love to have conversations and help people navigate you know, where they are in that process, because there were times where 
I found myself in places. And as long as you show up to work and as long as you mother and as long as you do what you're supposed to do and wear the hats you're supposed to wear and you can function within those capacities, no one's coming to get you. No one's coming to say, hey, are you okay? Are you sure? Because they don't know because you're you're carrying that with you. And so it just metastasize in so many different ways in life that you really do yourself a disservice when you don't allow yourself the gift of healing. Right. Right. Well, we thank you for, for sharing that. That was, uh, quite a, quite a powerful message, you know, because, um, I think we all in life, must go through a healing process. Um, and it comes in so many different forms as, as you stated, um, you know, for many, many years in my case, it took a long time for me to get over the fact of, you know, this oppressed, uh, resentment that I had, you know, towards certain family members because they never showed up, you know, when I was a little kid at a track meet and, uh, you know, as they were on their deathbed and, and passing away for them to say to me, we're proud of you. We're proud of who you've become. You know, these things, sometimes they take actions. Sometimes they take moments of time but sometimes they take years and years of agony before you actually have that one breakthrough moment that provides the healing and the closure for you to really be able to let that burden go and move on. And in today's society, there's so much of that going on. There's so many things happening and they're happening so, so fast the fact that we talk about mindset, the fact that we talk about narcissistic behavior, the fact that we talk about all of these other, you know, what I would call them cliches that are out there for different ways of dealing with, uh, you know, our troubles and our issues. Um, it, it, it shows that we as a cultural and we as a society, we're all dealing with the same stuff. You know, it's not, it, there's no color on the front side of that. There's no black, white, blue, or green. You know, if you're dealing with anxiety or you're dealing with the heartache of, of, of trying to move yourself forward from trauma, whether you're, you know, one side of the fence or the other, trauma is trauma. And so I love the fact that you indicated early on, you know, at least when I was introducing you. Those three powerful words, heal, growth, and to be open. Because I think where I want to go with this conversation next really kind of focuses in on, you know, once you're able to try and get yourself on the path of healing and growth and to be open, you're still dealing with the self-doubt. You're still reconciling with yourself. You're still conceptualizing with yourself because of how society has cast us as to whether or not you are worthy. And as we talk about worthiness, 
you know, I really want us to focus in on we all have a gift. And regardless of whether people say it's undeserving or not, regardless if you're, you know, whatever race or color or creed you are, we all have that gift. And when you begin to conceptualize that your worthiness is less than someone else's and casting that self-doubt and casting that that, that kind of unrighteousness and, and leaving that positivity behind, you're placing yourself in the means of your own self-sabotaging trauma. So what do you say about that, Denise? You know, I think that one of the biggest problems people have in terms of really starting to heal is making sure they are in a place where they're ready to revisit the pain. Mm -hmm. A lot of times if there was a way to heal and bypass what we've gone through and bypass the pain that that left in, in our bodies, we would do it. We would sign up. Okay, let's go. Right. But what hinders people a lot of times is not wanting to go back and revisit that pain. And revisiting sometimes equals re-experiencing. And for some people, the pain is so to the surface that the mere thought of it or the mere, you know, discussion reactivates that trauma and they rather do anything else but re-experience that consciously in their body. It's in their body and they are re-experiencing it in another way, but we come up with all these ways to avoid that. And trauma, mm -hmm. you mentioned, you know, you mentioned shame earlier. What happens mm -hmm. with trauma, specifically if it's from abuse, um, mm -hmm. sexual abuse or physical abuse, there is a shame that is attached to that. Mm -hmm. And that shame, when it's attached to that incident or those incidents or that trauma, really affects the way someone sees themselves really affects the way they see their ability or their capability of functioning in a way where they're able to protect themselves because quite often in abuse victims and survivors are not able were not able to protect themselves and so they carry that with them and so when they feel like they're not able to protect themselves there is this shame and then that shame you know as it grows it it turns into the inner narrative of I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy or this isn't for me or this isn't something that somebody would see in me. And it 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 converts into these inner silent whispers that people aren't consciously aware of. But it limits. It limits the risk we take. It limits the things we do. It limits the opportunities we give ourselves. And that turns into self-sabotage, you know, then mm -hmm. because we're afraid that we won't be able to do these things, then we start to sabotage ourselves so we won't have to experience the disappointment. And the thing about trauma, it creates this amazing coping mechanism that is so automated half the time the people that it's affecting aren't even aware of the ways in which they are being affected and so 
they just think this is me, this is life, things are just not working out. I keep dating the same kind of person. My relationships aren't working out. I keep losing my jobs. I mean, I don't mean to get this angry, but I'm angry and people think I'm this way. And if only they could see that I'm not that way. And it, it all stems from that. It's like there's no way for unresolved trauma to magically just heal itself and convert you into a person who is unaffected by the wounds of whatever those those traumatic events are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, thank you for uh, for sharing that. Um with us, I certainly, certainly appreciate your insight there. You know, as we as we continue this dialogue, you mention um, in in one of the, the the sayings on your on your website is the fact that you're a work in progress. And so, does that mean that you are continuing to heal? and grow and be open consistently and that you show up in your life every single day. Help us understand what does I'm a work in progress mean? It's exactly what you said. You know, I was having a conversation with my boyfriend a few days ago about this conscious choice that I realize I have to make every day because, you know, we were talking about this analogy about being in a house and all these different doors as you're walking down a hallway and the different doors are like, you know, avoidance mechanisms or um, bypassing or emotional suppression or not wanting to experience something because it feels so much like something else. And so you can really kind of hide out into these rooms. You can kind of hide out into these emotional spaces. You can kind of hide out in these defaults that you've created. And Mm -hmm. you have to choose every day. For me, I have to choose every day to not utilize some of those things that I could just access more than I can access whatever the indicator of growth is. For example, Mm -hmm. you know, if I'm having a conversation and I feel like I've articulated myself clearly enough and somebody doesn't get it and it's, you know, it's, it's, and I'm going back and forth, I can feel myself sometimes going, you know what? Okay, whatever. And I could just shut down. And the relationship that I have with that person and the value that that person is to me and the value that I want them to know that they are to me pushes or forces me to not deviate to the path of like shutting down, you know, because that is a thing that is something that is always available and readily available (laughs) to someone who has any kind of traumatic background. We can shut down quickly. We can shut down and we can, be in a place where it's very hard for someone to reach you. And so the effort to make that decision every day, to not shut down, to make that decision every day, to push beyond my my own perceived limitation, or the decision to understand that if I'm feeling something that felt similar to something that was tied to something else, that this moment is not that. 
that this is a new moment, that this is mm -hmm. a different moment. And if that energy comes up in my body, I can say this is a trigger or this is um, pulling this up. But these two things are different and I don't have to relive whatever that is simply because, you know, those those symptoms may still be in your body. And so I've moved into um, conscious managing of my own emotions, which is really where it all starts. And then you're able to help people with recognizing and managing their emotions if they're struggling and then they come to you for you know assistance in in that area and that's really the the work some of the work that I do as a life coach and I don't know if I would be as effective of a life coach if I had not experienced some of those very things myself and you know it is every day you are a work in progress you know I don't want to advertise myself as someone who's made it is there's I, I think I, I make mistakes <laughs> all the time and mm -hmm. sometimes I have to challenge myself to say well what was that about mm -hmm. why did you why do you feel that way I'm a little I think maybe overly obsessed with my own introspection because I don't like the idea of feel in a certain way and not knowing why I feel that way and where that comes from because I feel like I have a responsibility to navigate those emotions. I have a responsibility to understand that someone may say something that may cause me to feel a certain way, but it's actually because it triggered something which is actually making me feel that way. And so the more honest I am with myself and the more of those conversations I had with myself over the years, it really got me to a point where I'm able to identify those things now as opposed to before where I was being controlled by those things unknowingly. Right. Right. Wow. That was, uh, that was deep, Denise. <laughs> that was very deep. Well, certainly, um, you know, these are all things that really lead to the way we want to see ourselves in the world and, and how we want to kind of take one step at a time to really understand and and really comprehend comprehend our journey you know and 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 beginning to ensure that you know if we do fail we're able to get ourselves back on you know on the road or back onto the horse to be able to move ourselves uh forward and we see how that has allowed for you to kind of rise above you know to 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 really get above kind of the cliche of what's out there and rediscover your purpose in life, which is, which is quite commendable. And so Denise, we're almost out of time, uh, unfortunately. Uh, but certainly what I'd like to do at this moment is, is really talk about, you know, what are some of the takeaways that you share with your, your clients with regards to, you know, never practicing life, you know, really, you know, how do you give them tools or how do you give them, you know, educational means that really help them show up 
every day and be a part of the the healing, the growth, and and willing to be vulnerable, willing to let themselves be open, even though that may not be something that they truly want. To the one person that's out there that may be looking for that information, what would you say to them today? I think a lot of times people say that, you know, all you have to do is do the work. You know, it's like you just have to do the work. There's this wonderful um, uh, quote that I love, and it says, and the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. Mm. Nice. And I, I, I think that's where that's where we get to, you know. Is it mm-hmm. is it going to hurt us more to remain tight in a bud than for us to just take the risk to blossom? Right. And I think a lot of times it's hard. It's hard to make that decision because doing the work is not easy. Mm-hmm. But what you stand to gain is so liberating and it's so freeing and it's so much more than you have been able to give yourself because of everything that you've had to hold and everything that you've had to carry mm-hmm. and wanting to live instead of exist, wanting to feel like you are living a life where you're not pretending, where you're being authentic, where you're not exhausted by having to watch your back, by having to overthink, by having to analyze, by having to think for yourself, by having to think for everyone, by having to have conversations with yourself before you have conversations with other people so you can prepare yourself in the event that the conversation or the situation, you know, doesn't go the way that you want it to. And so how much time are you spending practicing, you know, practicing life instead of being in life, instead of living life? Because Mm -hmm. a lot of times you can practice all day, you know, you show up to whatever it is you think you were practicing for. And sometimes it's a whole different element that gets thrown into that, that you didn't anticipate. And then, then what? then you have to use the skill set that is fit into whatever the reality is, as opposed to what you were just kind of, you know, catastrophizing in your head or what you were pulling from um, as a frame of reference of survivalism. And so Mm -hmm. choosing to live a life that you want to live, that you deserve to live, that you are mm-hmm. capable of living is, I think, the first step in in that direction. Thank you. Thank you very much for sharing that with us. So, Denise, uh, for those that are listening to this program and for those that may catch it um, later on, how do they go about reaching out to you if they're interested in your life coaching services? I think the easiest way to reach me is my website. My website is IamDenise.com. That's www.iamdenise.com. IamDenise.com. You can send me a message from my website. All my contact details are there. And um, I am looking forward to hearing from you. Thank you very much, Denise, for, for sharing that. And so to our listeners, um, 
this has been a very insightful, uh, quite um, compelling discussion to really understand, you know, how we should never practice life. It has definitely been an episode that I consider will go down as one of those episodes here as we close out season five as something that can always be utilized as a tool for knowledge and to self self-reflect and self-discover on others' lessons learned. And without further ado, this has been episode 130 entitled Never Practice Life. We'd like to thank Denise for coming on to her show and sharing not only her journey, but her experiences and how she's been able to rediscover and get back on track through her healing, growth, and being open process. And Denise, we certainly thank you very much. Our heart goes out to you, and we wish you many, many blessings and many more years of continued success. And so, thank you so much. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for tuning in to Cut to the Chase. Stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn at Cut to the Chase. You'll also find even more great content on our website at www.k2tcpodcast.com. Thank you and catch you on the next episode.